Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Uh, and the last few words of that verse, and then going on into the next verse. The working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world in a truly humiliated condition in comparison with the glories of his heavenly existence as the eternal Son of God. He was born in a stable and surrounded by farm animals. He grew up in the home of a carpenter. He was ultimately put to a cruel death as a common criminal. Yet the mighty power of God then raised him up from the dead and exalted him to the place of absolute preeminence, namely at the right hand of God. So the seemingly weak and helpless child of Bethlehem is right now seated on his heavenly throne as king. A king who is also the judge of all men. He will even raise the dead on the day of judgment, consigning them to the place of eternal happiness or eternal condemnation. So, the man Christ Jesus is now sharing the throne of God the Father and exercising the power of God the Father which has been committed to him. And so just before his ascension our Lord declared all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. All power. So the child of Bethlehem is the one who possesses all power. Now if we go back some 700 years before our Lord was born, we have a prophecy of his coming into the world in Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah 9 and verse 6, we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In this prophecy, we learn of the divine status of the child in the manger. He is none other than the mighty God, 
So here is one who is both fully God and at the same time fully man. Isaiah prophesied that his name shall be called Wonderful. The word wonderful in the original language uh, is simply the noun wonder. This child is a wonder. His birth is miraculous and beyond mere human comprehension. This child is a pure marvel. And we say that with the profoundest reverence. Because this child is literally God manifest in the flesh. He is the eternal creator God appearing on earth in human form. His becoming a man was a laying aside of the fullness of his divine glory. But since our Lord's resurrection, which the Father mightily wrought upon him, which Paul is speaking of here, the Lord Jesus Christ is now seated at the Father's right hand in the heavenly places. From his heavenly throne, he exercises government over the whole earth. All non-believers are under his control. They do not realise that, of course, but they are. He is the God of all providence, ordaining all people's circumstances. All without exception, no matter what their earthly dignity or status, owe their ongoing existence to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says of him here in verse 21 that he is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Christ has authority over the angels. He has authority over all earthly rulers. He has an authority which lasts throughout history and unto all eternity. Now, we have a further Old Testament prophecy of the reign of Christ, the universal king, in Psalm number 2. And this prophecy uh, was received even further back than the previous one we, we just looked at from Isaiah. Some 1,000 years before our Lord was born at Bethlehem, the Holy Spirit worked upon David as David wrote this psalm and God declares in Psalm 2 and verse 6 
I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And the reference there is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Psalm 2 and verse 8, we read, The Father is speaking, and he's addressing his Son. Ask of me, and I will give the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And so here we learn of the enormous power of the Lord Jesus Christ. His authority as the universal king. And we learn that rebellion against him is futile. There are in fact three distinctive aspects to the kingship of Christ. Uh, firstly, our Lord has an eternal kingship as God the Son. A kingship which has always existed. Even many, many uh, great eons of time before the earth was Created, Jesus Christ was the eternal Son of God. And he has always, uh, even in the Old Testament period, exercised over all the earth as the Son of God, a supreme authority, as part of the Trinitarian Godhead. He has governed all men and all nations. So, it was Christ, for example, who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. It was he who was in the pillar of cloud and fire. The child in the manger is the one who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. We need to just stop and consider that. He has always possessed this eternal kingship as the Son of God. Now a second way in which the Lord Jesus Christ is king is that he is head of his church. Since the incarnation since those momentous events at Bethlehem, the Lord Jesus Christ now exercises a further type of kingship in his distinct role as the God-man. One who is both fully divine and fully human and who is able thereby to act as a mediator between the holy God and sinful man. And so, the Lord Jesus Christ exercises this special role as the head of his church, as a great high priest. He is king of the spiritual kingdom of heaven and he rules 
over all the hearts of those who trust in him. So he possesses this spiritual kingship. Now, he is, of course, uh, the head of a kingdom which is not of this world. He does not use military force or earthly laws to bring men into submission to him. But he draws them by his spirit and then, upon their faith, he rules them and dwells in their hearts. And so, he rules over this spiritual kingdom which is not of this world. However, uh, that spiritual kingdom of which we are a part as believers should be influencing the earthly kingdoms and we should be influencing them in such a way that they uh, create wise, sound and righteous laws and we should be constantly encouraging those around us uh, to uphold God's holy law his righteous standards and of course we are working for the salvation of all those amongst whom we live and as we do that Christ is our head he is the head of the church. So he has this spiritual kingship over the kingdom of heaven, which is the gathering of all who believe in him. Now, when the angel uh, was speaking to Mary uh, about the child which she would bear, uh, we read in Luke 1 and verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now the house of Jacob is an expression uh, referring to the true church, to the spiritual kingdom of which Christ is the head, comprising both Jews and Gentiles, who are sons of Abraham and sons of Jacob through faith in Christ. Now this spiritual kingdom where Christ reigns will last for all eternity. Long after the kingdoms of this world have ceased to exist. You see, all the rulers of the kingdoms of this world, they come and they go, and they're often quickly forgotten. But the kingdom of Christ lasts forever, for all eternity. And so that's the special type of kingship which Christ possesses. His kingship over the spiritual kingdom, the church. And then he has a third type of kingship. He is king over this earth. Right now, he is the king over all who do not believe in him. 
He reigns over all the earthly kingdoms of man. No nation or individual can do anything but at his decree. Now this kingship over the earth as the God-man mediator is the same type of power uh, which he has exercised from the beginning of time as the eternal son of God. But now he exercises this power as the God-man and he exercises it on behalf of his blood-bought church. He exercises this kingship as the God who became flesh, who was crucified, who was then raised up and exalted to the Father's right hand. So Christ has a kingship over all the earth. He will bring judgment upon all who defy him, including those who persecute the citizens of his spiritual kingdom. And so the earthly kingdoms often treat those who belong to the spiritual kingdom very badly. They might put them in prison or even do worse. But those earthly rulers are still subject to Christ's power. Now Paul says of our Lord here in verse 21 that he is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Christ reigns over the earth and over all non-believers. He also reigns as king in the hearts of those who turn from sin and trust in him. Now, the godly Simeon uh, said concerning our Lord's birth the following. We read this in Luke 2 and verse 30. Simeon said, as he saw the infant Jesus, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now as Simeon said those words, Joseph and his mother marvelled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. So, we are told there by Simeon that Christ is none other than the light of the world, but then we are also told that through Christ men will either rise or fall and it will be one or the other. And so we could describe our Lord as the great discriminator. 
because he discriminates between those who will rise to eternal life and those who will fall to eternal wrath and condemnation. And it all depends upon their attitude to him. And so, as we consider that young child in the stable at Bethlehem, let us remember those words of Simeon. This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And of course, beyond Israel as the gospel was proclaimed to the Gentile nations also. And so it is this child who as the ascended king and judge of all who will determine the eternal destiny of every single human being. Now they may call themselves Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, atheists, but Jesus Christ will determine their eternal destiny. And so he said of himself in Matthew 25 and verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the angels with him, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. The great tragedy is that in many a church up and down the land this Christmas, people will be told that Jesus Christ brings everyone together. No matter how diverse they are, he brings them all together. But the Lord says that he will separate mankind. He's going to divide mankind up between sheep and goats, between those who desire his salvation and those who do not, between those who want to carry on in their sin and those who repent. He shall separate the sheep from the goats. He is set for the rise and fall of many. And now Paul further says of Christ in verse 22 here, The Father hath put all things under his feet. The power of Christ over men and nations is invincible. A host of angels appeared to the shepherds as the Lord's birth was announced. That same child whose birth was announced is actually the one who commands the angelic host. The spirit creatures, which we call angels, the word angel simply means messenger, these spirit creatures are at Christ's disposal to perform whatever he wishes in all the earth. Now, the prince of the fallen angels, Satan, uh, he likewise is under Christ's control. He can do nothing but that which 
the Lord Jesus Christ permits. Also, as we have already mentioned, the power of earthly rulers and the power of all earthly nations all are subject to Jesus Christ. Compared to the power of Christ, the nations of the earth are but as dust in the balance. Now this has enormous significance, of course, for us today. Nations and governments should be passing laws in accordance with the teachings of Scripture because they are answerable to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, democracy is not a bad form of government. It's quite a reasonable system to live under. But you know, we must not make an idol out of democracy. What the majority wants will often be contrary to what Jesus Christ has decreed. So let us be wary of following the crowd. But we must rather go down the straight and narrow path of following Jesus Christ. And remember, the nations are answerable to him. To help us understand the status of that child in the stable at Bethlehem, let us consider what Paul says of him in Philippians 2 and verse 9. Philippians 2 verse 9. God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have you heard about the school in this country which has been removing the word Lord from Christmas carols so as not to offend people of other faiths? The Muslims deny that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, we honour him as a prophet. But every tongue should confess Jesus Christ as Lord. God hath highly exalted him. He's not just another prophet. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Paul says there in Philippians uh, that Christ, as we've already mentioned, has power over the angels and over all the spiritual realm, the realm of the spirits. He has power over the good angels. He has power over the fallen angels, the evil spirits, the demons. All are subject to Christ. And of course, all men are subject to Christ. 
They do not think they are, but we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Or the proud liberal secularists with all their progressive anti-Christian numerality, they will have to appear before Jesus Christ as judge. Now the Apostle John in the book of Revelation was overwhelmed when he received a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ in all his kingly power. We read of this at the beginning of Revelation, Revelation 1 and verse 16. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Now when John saw this vision of Christ in all his glory, he felt he deserved to be consumed. And apart from grace, he would have been consumed. The Apostle John knew that he, when he was looking at Jesus Christ, he was beholding the eternal and all-holy God who made every one of us. Can we begin to understand why it's simply not enough for our Muslim friends to say, oh yes, we honour Jesus as a prophet. If one does not honour Jesus Christ for who he really is, is the eternal Son of God. One is not honouring him at all and one is disobeying God and rejecting God the Father at the same time. Because our Lord said, He that honoureth not the Son honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. Now in his humanity, of course, our Lord died. He took upon himself our human frailty. But he rose again to live forevermore as the exalted God-man. And so Paul says of Christ here in verse 22, The Father hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. The Lord Jesus Christ is ruler of the universe, fulfilling that function on the church's behalf. Now what do we mean by the church? We do not mean any human organisation. There are many organisations called churches in our own day which are corrupted, having utterly abandoned the authority of the Bible and having replaced it with the philosophical fashions of the moment. There is, however, 
a true church. The true church is a spiritual body, which is the assembly of all true believers in Jesus Christ. Now, the largest portion of the true church is the church triumphant in heaven, comprising all those who have died in the faith. The Lord Jesus Christ exercises supreme authority over all mankind for the benefit of the true church. He has authority whether men recognise it or not. So this child in the stable at Bethlehem is the one who exercises a universal authority. And every Christ-rejecting atheist will one day be cowering before Jesus Christ, the judge of all the earth. So when men persecute the true church, as is happening in many parts of the world right now, they will have to suffer vengeance at the hands of Jesus Christ. The climax of all human history will be our Lord's return to this earth as judge. Now, God's true people in the present state of the world are generally a very small group and they are generally a much despised group. But when Jesus Christ returns as judge, we, the believers, will be standing over the rest of men, participating in the work of judging the lost. It is therefore the true church which will have the last word over this Christ-rejecting world. And notice in verse 22, that the Father has given Christ to the church as our head. And he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 25. So the Father has given Christ in his exaltation over everything to the church. Christ is the one who has everything under his feet. He crushes his enemies. Yet, this universal ruler is bestowed as a gift to the true church. He gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So we can take heart that we have this universal, all-powerful king as our head. We then read in verse 23 of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the church is a body, a spiritual body, 
indwelt by the Spirit of Christ, with Christ being the head of the body. Now from the brain in a man's head, all the other parts of the body are operated. Likewise, Christ of the church's head directs the body's operations through his spirit dwelling within each believer. Christ fills the church with the presence of his spirit, just as the presence of God filled the Old Testament temple. The Lord Jesus Christ transforms the members of his body into his own likeness. He causes us to bear the fruits of the Spirit. He causes us to become more like him in holiness. And we're told in verse 23 that he filleth all in all. He fills the earth in that he is present everywhere. He governs all things in all ways. He fills the universe in all its parts. If an astronaut goes into outer space, he's still under the kingship of Jesus Christ. Christ upholds the natural world and all its functions which men take for granted, such as the recurring seasons. It is Christ, for example, who causes the sun to rise or earthquakes to occur. It is Jesus Christ who controls the climate. If people realised this, they would not be overwhelmed by the contemporary phenomenon of climate change anxiety. The eternal Son of God has in fact been changing the climate throughout human history. Colossians 1 verse 16 By him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things consist. We just sang earlier Lo within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. The child in the manger is the eternal word of God. The one through whom the father communicates with men. He was alongside the father when the earth was created. Now, when our Lord came down to earth as a man, yes, his full glory was obscured as he took upon himself our human flesh. As another carol says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Now, however, the Lord Jesus Christ is exalted into the place of supreme preeminence. He rules over this earth from his heavenly throne. He is returning to this earth as the all-conquering judge. This is the true status of the child of Bethlehem. Now yes, he is a loving and merciful saviour 
to all who humble themselves before him. But he is also a king who will crush his enemies who defy him. So all must reflect upon who the Christ child really is. They must reflect and then submit before it is too late. Amen.